Mm-hmm. You have people in the world that are just claiming if you pray hard enough and long enough, autism will just disappear. Mm-hmm. That's not a proper view of how the Lord gives and takes away or the disability of autism is something to be cured right. and not something to be discipled. Right. Hello there, friends, and welcome to episode two of Raising Autistic Disciples. Today, I'm talking with my wonderful husband, Colin, about the image of God and what we've experienced in the last couple of years of raising our son, Graham, who is autistic and who has taught us so many things, uh, not only about how God created him in his image, but also what he's teaching us through raising an autistic son. And so I hope you find this conversation helpful. Babe, thanks for being on the podcast. Yo. <laughs> the Rad Podcast. <laughs> the Rad Podcast. Remember when we came up with it? I don't. You don't? I don't remember either, but I thought it was, we we went through several terrible names. We did. And yeah. then we landed on Raising Autistic Disciples. Yeah. And the Rad Podcast. The Rad Podcast. So I explained a little bit in episode one about our story, about Graham, about who we are, um, our journey the last three or four years, but... For those listening, uh, tell them about who you are first. What's your name? My name is Colin. Colin, you're Addie Kay's Graham Levi's dad. That's right. And the husband of an amazing wife. There you go. So before we jump in, because episode one, I kind of uh, talked about who we are and our, our history and navigating autism and whatnot. Um, before we talk about the image of God, how has your walk with the Lord changed in the last three or four years while parenting Graham, navigating autism, uh, what is something that you cling to and can encourage other listeners, but specifically fathers that are on the same journey? Yeah. Uh, it's just one word for us. And I think we've batted this around for years uh, since we've had him, but specifically as we realized that his, he was different. He was other, mm-hmm. but rhythm, rhythm is the word. Rhythm, yeah. Um, Cause if, we'll get into probably more of that later, but his his need and desire for rhythmic catechesis, like his systematic teaching, daily rhythms, like has not only enhanced my desire and uh, affections for spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. but that if we if we don't establish a rhythm, like discipleship doesn't come out of osmosis. We mm-hmm. don't just stand around other Christians and then gather their godliness. It's a systematic rhythmic understanding of how the Lord teaches us and in a spiritual discipline, just allow the Holy spirit to work in our life. We create a rhythm that is centered around it and our love and affection for the Lord. And that's what we want for him. So knowing that he's different, knowing that his mind works different and it desires rhythm. If we're not doing that ourselves, we're definitely not going to disciple him. Well, right. So what does that practically look like though, for you and your personal walk? Like you talking about actual rhythms, actual rudiments. Um, well, specifically making time in, in the time with the Lord in the mornings, you know, like right now the rhythm for our family is, you know, we get kids ready, you know, go get them in the van, get them to school and then have an hour and 45 minutes before people really show up at work. I can just sit, pray, meditate, um, read the scripture, you know, study or prep for something if I need to, but just allow space and time for those rhythms to, to, to happen. So you're saying you've learned that, it's vital to carve out that time specifically yeah. set aside a time where mm-hmm. do you, cause I mean, a lot of us, and we were there 
three or four years ago, how in the world are we supposed to, with, with uh, demanding, I guess, uh, maybe not the word I'm looking for, but it is, it is in a sense demanding our time is um, filled with trying to get a visual schedule going, trying to help him yeah. understand mm-hmm. with, along with two other kids. Uh, but what you're saying is it is vital for parents and fathers to know that your time with the Lord cannot be, it's essential. It's essential. And it's, and, and I, I hesitate to use phrases like time with the Lord, assuming that there's other times without the Lord, Sure, right. but, it, but you know, it, we've talked about that before is it's like, there's a systematic understanding that all, everything is the Lord's. But in those moments, it's time of rest and reflection. Mm-hmm. Because if there's one thing we've learned in the last three and a half, four years, um, every day is going to have its challenge. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to the end of the day, uh, tiredness sometimes doesn't even describe it. It's just yeah. like an emotional weariness. Sure. Because it's we're kind of flying the plane as we're building it, so to speak. And so, or the Lord is revealing steps. Sometimes that's a little bit of a misnomer. He's revealing steps as we need them. Right. So we don't know what he's going to be in five years, mm-hmm. but we know today we've been given that right. and we, we make good use of it. So <clears throat> it's become more of a stewardship thing. Sure. And so instead of trying to be someone who uh, forgot which particular Psalm it is, but all the plans of man are foolish, yeah. foolishness, but the Lord is one that builds the house. And so I think it's Psalm 127, same one with the arrows. So they're just the rhythmic understanding of how God has created us. Mm-hmm. Like when you go back to Genesis one, even before we get to the Imago day, like as he created us, he created rhythms, mm-hmm. this rising of the sun, the setting of the same, he, every day is a rhythm. Right. So when we, when we try to assume that our discipleship will be, be had without a rhythmic understanding of how we're taught, mm-hmm. then we're just forgetting how we were created and how mm-hmm. he created all things. So, right. well, let's jump into that. Okay. Genesis one, 26. Come on. All right. You gonna read it for us? Made in the image of God, I will. So Genesis one twenty six, and we can go over to two seven as well. Genesis one twenty six says this: Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." And then two seven says this. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Hmm. So recently, as of when this podcast was recorded, you just did you just went through a study of the first eleven chapters of Genesis with a bunch of with a bunch of ladies at Parkwood, right? Yeah. So, like in in your conversations with them and how you presented it, what what were the major implications of Imago Day? So first, I think it was it was important to kind of understand what Imago Day really is, mm-hmm. um, what that means. And so as we walk through, and I walk through my personal time of study, just understanding that to have the image or the likeness of God means in simplest terms that we were made to resemble Him. Mm-hmm. We were made to reflect Him. Yeah. Um, um, that, that He created man and woman in his image. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that was essential to be able to unpack and to realize. Um, but also just like we stated before, as a good creator, he does all things well Mm -hmm. and he does not make mistakes. Right. So I think that was a big light bulb moment in my life of just understanding, um, 
wow, this, this hard thing in our life that we are experiencing the last three or four years of how to navigate autism um, is not a mistake. Right. God does not make mistakes. He does all things well. He is good and is a good creator. And so that was, that was important um, to walk through and to, to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's uh, just, as you were talking, it just reminded me of uh, Hebrews 12. It is for discipline that you have to endure for God is treating you as sons and daughters for what son or daughter is there whom his father is not disciplined. So if you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons for the moment. If you skip down to verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever been a verse that I think I've just prayed through consistently is, is that, um, just a word of, of clarification for those of you who um, are not familiar with this passage in Hebrews 12, or maybe just new to reading the Bible. I just wanted to uh, make note here that that word discipline, when we hear that word, it it brings to mind several different things. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to clarify something. It's really just meaning training. Right. And so God is training us uh, to be more like his son, Jesus, to look like Jesus, to be Christ-like, uh, to train um, in the race. If you want to kind of think about it like mm-hmm. that, like, a runner who starts out running, uh, the training is hard. And like this, this passage says, it's painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, like yeah, Colin said. And so that just wanted to make sure that that word discipline is is fully understood, that it, that means uh, training. Right. So at the, at the essence of it, you know, Graham being formed as a human being made in the image of God. And, you know, Psalm 139, his, he knew his inward parts. He was fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And we praise him for that. Right. But then how how the disability of autism layers in with that idea and understanding and where to properly place it. Because as we've read and talked about this, there's been, there's, I mean, both ends of the spectrum exist. Mm-hmm. You have people in the world that are just claiming if you pray hard enough and long enough, autism will just disappear. Mm-hmm. That's not a proper view of how the Lord gives and takes away or how he disciplines his children or that the disability of autism is something to be cured and not something to be discipled. Right. And so, um, and then a bunch of other research and articles that we've seen recently that just, just lend more to the fact it's not that we have to lean into it, Mm -hmm. but we, he was created in such a way that would, image him correctly. Correct. And let's, let's take a stop for just a moment. Cause I, I do believe in episode one, I, I covered this, but just in case anybody's listening for the first time, we want to make sure you understand our theology, our belief when it comes to raising our son Graham as an autistic individual, we don't want to change him. Mm-hmm. We um, fully believe that he was created by God in the image of God, which we're talking about, but also from birth, autism exists inside Graham. Right. He was, he was born autistic. Um, we truly believe that. So where we're still learning um, in the last three or four years, uh, all the different things that come with that, but our foundational belief is not to change him. Right. We don't want to make him normal. We don't want to make him like the our other two kids. Mm-hmm. We want Graham to be exactly who God created him to be mm-hmm. um, for God's glory. And so, I want to make that side note as we discussed to make sure everybody understood that this is not something as we talk that we're trying to make him a certain way. Hmm. We just believe that God created him to be who he is and how he is right now. Because yeah. anything, anything that would to go back into our image of God conversation, if anything else that we would do would be to assume that 
his his plan and will for Graham's life and our life that includes that is inaccurate or inappropriate or right. um, somehow he just forgot about us mm-hmm. or we were forsaken. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. And um, and oftentimes, especially in our American culture with with Christianity and church, oftentimes we're just trying to create heaven on earth ourselves. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to be mm-hmm. peaceful. We wanted to be quiet, not hard, not hard. We don't want to do the hard things. Yeah. But in the hard things, in the suffering, in the forsaking, like those are God ordained moments that in the life of Christ, it, it provided our redemption. Mm-hmm. And even pre and post that as in the reality of being a Christian, that reality of suffering and toiling and striving, um, produces Christ likeness in a way that right. comfort just doesn't. Right. So, right. Absolutely. So how would you say just, just as one twenty six, like what did, what did it mean when God said it was very good in the creation narrative? Yeah. I think just, just like we said, it's, um, it's, it's good. He is holy. So he, he calls upon us as holiness, but his holiness and his goodness, uh, is not something that we can question. Hmm. Because if it if it does call into question, then that just doesn't end. Right. So he is good in all of his ways, and what he does is, and what he creates is, is complete and sufficient. And that might reveal to us that we are weak, but he is strong and he is good. Right. And so, his goodness, I, the way I consistently and just in my mind, just completeness. Yeah. It's 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 not a mistake. Right. Right. So not an accident. Did God create autism and? say it was good yeah and I, I, this might be something we can just banter back and forth on for a minute um because the where where i would if i were to use autism as a malady like as a as a disability like we've talked about then i think it's important how we layer the image of god doctrine in on the doctrine of man mm, okay because if is will there be autistic people in heaven there's always questions like all, all those things. Cause is, is autism a, a thing that is, has existed. And that is a, that is a not doctrine of man. Is it a product of sin in our world? Right. 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 So in a fallen world is autism as a disability. Is it something that we are enduring that brings about Christ likeness when it's properly introduced, or is it something that has been continued and will be a heavenly trait? Sure. Right. So in my mind, personally, either one answer is I've probably given more exaltedness and holiness to it than it probably needs to exist, but calling it a disability and something that is a product of a fallen world, it doesn't make it evil, mm. but it does make it, it does give it purpose. Sure. Right. Yeah. Cause we didn't even plan on talking about this, mm. but in my own life at first, like three years ago when the Lord, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit just walked me through the the stages, which we'll go through in a couple of episodes, just the stages of, of understanding, okay, this is our life. This is, this is how God created him. I, I kind of reconciled in my mind to be able to make sense of it, mm-hmm. reconciled in my mind that, okay, autism is because of the fall. Right. And so that's what I would just kind of say, like, to help my mind understand, like, why is this the way it is or how to, like, just a starting point. Yeah, right. Trying, it, yeah. Like we, we knew nothing. We weren't, nobody was teaching us about this. So I was just trying to reconcile my own and life. Currently we don't know anything. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, just trying to, to reconcile that. And as I've grown and, and education has helped this and researching and, and reading and asking yeah. um, the autistic community and those who are actually autistic, mm-hmm. as well as ones who are a few steps ahead of us in parenting, 
um, having to reconcile that a little bit differently now in the sense of that everything everything around us is because of the fall. Yes. Like, right? Everything is, is, is because of sin nature. But as I grow and understand what autism is and the beauty that comes with it, I'm now able to reconcile it not entirely as a result of the fall, but as a distinct God-given characteristic. That's right, yes. In his image, to be an image bearer of of God's likeness. And just like me, the characteristics that I display in reflection like we talked about before. So the fall is the reason that everything is the way it is, but autism is not something that necessarily needs to remind me of it. It needs to remind me of God's character. That's right, yes. Right, in the sense of, here's here's how I'm kind of reconciling it now, is, is uh, you and I were, were uh, newly married when my grandfather was um, about to go be with the Lord, um, suffer from dementia, mm-hmm. as well as yeah. uh, my grandmother did as well. And so I believe that disease is a reminder of the fall, yes. is a reminder of sin, because it's displaying that our bodies are meant to end. That's right, yes. Right? And so mm-hmm. autism isn't the same. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, whereas dementia is a picture of... Deterioration. Deterioration, the like fall. The fall, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Our sin nature. Autism is more on the other side of helping us understand that God did create us differently. Yes. Right. Yeah. So do you, and you're, you know, this is not an answer I think we'll have, or may even be correct on I, it, <clears throat> but for Graham specifically and for other autistic, um, for people who, who have the disability of autism, right. Because we often talk about like one day the, the lame will walk, mm. the blind will see when the Lord restores all things our glorified bodies will be with him sure. when he restores. So, and this is not a question I think we should, or like we, we're not going to stake our life on it, but will Graham be autistic in his glorified state? Hmm. Right. Will he still desire the rhythmic understanding of all things? Is he going to freak out because he didn't go to the trampoline park <laughs> when we put it on the schedule? Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, and that's not something I think we have to answer for right. ourselves, but it's, it's right. something that, like, and we were talking about 2 Corinthians 12 before we got started. So I think it's a good time to layer it in. And that this we were talking about before is that some of the language that Paul uses for his own thorn in the flesh, and he attributes it to a an act of, of Satan. Like it was given to him because of his, his uh, past boastfulness. Some of the language Paul is using for his thorn in the flesh is not meant to inflame people. Like it, this is not a, not we're not calling autism a thorn in the flesh, or it's not an evil manifestation of any of that sort. Um, but the, the essence of what Paul describes here, I think can be layered into our conversation. Sure. So if you start in verse seven, yeah, start in verse seven of chapter 12, it says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. So what, what Paul was allowed to see, yep. um, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So that's where, so that's Paul's specific manifestation of the thorn, right? Mm-hmm. So what God gave him through uh, through the work of the, the the power of this world, right? He that's what he was given for that sake. Um, and then he said, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, mm-hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness." And I when I when I read that three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. I'm sure you mm-hmm. probably said this in the first episode. But that year of denial, mm-hmm. <laughs> how many times we were just like, 
let, let this cut pass. We're not, we're not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Like I, we pled. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like as he's, as he revealed, I, I don't remember a specific audible moment where the Lord said this to me, but not only is his grace is sufficient for you, but his, my, his power is made perfect in mm-hmm. our weakness. Mm-hmm. So as we, every time, every time we, we make well laid plans for Graham and they just fall apart mm-hmm. because his anxiety just runs through the roof. I mean that we're weak mm-hmm. at those moments. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. but in those moments, not only is his grace sufficient because he's still teaching us and discipling us, but he's discipling our kid as well. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'll boast mo- all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weakness and the insult, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. Uh, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. And so I think the reality for Christians that not only are, is our suffering and the things that we endure and of anything, when we, when we hear suffering, we automatically think evil. Mm-hmm. But even as the Lord introduces suffering and calamities and hardships, even for his namesake, like he's, he's doing that on purpose, mm-hmm. right? For a reason. Because it's they're not inherently evil. Mm-hmm. They're meant to teach. They're meant to to display his glory and his strength and his power in a way that um just comfort and our our own selfish desires just don't. Mm-hmm. So it creates kind of a foil that reflects his glory in the mm-hmm. greatest of ways. And so we see that in our son often. We do. And that I think that's that's a part that I sometimes reflect of and get overwhelmed that we could have missed out on. Absolutely. Like not that any parent is like praying, like, God, would you give me an autistic? Would you give me a yeah. Down syndrome? Would you give me a, you know, a, a abnormal uh, right thing for our baby? You're not, we're not praying for that. But the Lord and His sovereignty mm-hmm. ordained our child to be in our family for such yes. a time as this. Um, but even just think about Levi and Addie, our other two. Like Levi's four; he's two years younger than Graham. But what does what does Levi do with his buddy in, in class right now with Alex? Alex doesn't talk. He's not, he's not completely verbal, Yeah, but he, I mean, Levi has an instinct in him now mm-hmm. that isn't something that we just naturally taught him, but he loves his brother. Right. And when he sees someone else mm-hmm. that is of similar, like he just right. gravitates. Right. And that, that, that was kind of my next question of going to is like, what characteristics in Graham do we see that reflect God and mm. his attributes and his characteristics? Yeah. Well, we, I think we were, we were meditating and kind of thinking through an article I read this morning as before we, before we started talking and he, he specifically is a autistic person. He mentions four specific characteristics that just display the image of God in a specific way. One is his otherness mm-hmm. is he is clearly in the way that he deals with, with um, deals with things in a neurodiverse kind of way. It's very clear to him and other people that he is other. Mm-hmm. He's different. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's not of the same fold mm-hmm. when it comes to just mentally how he processes things. Right. And so then layering that in with not only the image of God, but also, you know, Christ and being being suffered and rejected and despised by his own people, mm-hmm. even that that otherness is something that is that displays that for us. Right. Like the same rejection that we see in our son, mm-hmm. on, in some cases, the the looks we get at the grocery store when he absolutely has an absolute meltdown. Mm-hmm. Those moments, we're it's very clear we are distinct. Right, <laughs> yeah. we are not. Uh, we're not. 
It's not a typical situation. Sure. So then that's a consistent reminder of the same passage is that in our weakness, he is strong. Right. Because in those moments, that's the last thing we want. Mm-hmm. Your specific manifestation of it is embarrassment. You just don't like to, it's just, it's an embarrassing situation, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I just want him to be whole. I won't be able to reason with him. Mm-hmm. So the lack of the ability as a dad mm-hmm. to talk to my child and just have a reason reasoning conversation. I don't necessarily want him fixed. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk. Yeah. Those are things that just promote my weakness all the time. Yeah. And so, so that otherness is the other one. Yeah. Well, I, I put, you know, the rhythmic. Oh yes. You know, cause yeah. I mean, you mentioned that before, uh, how Graham's rhythm and that just, that shows me God is God of order. He does all things. Well, nothing is out yes, of place. Right. Um, my other one, I have three, but my other one was words mean something. Yes. And so like, even though he, we have seen a language progression over the last few years, like, each word that Graham says, because he doesn't have many right now, That's right, yeah. means something. That's right. Right. And so that just reminds me of God's character um, in that, you know, again, he never changes. And like, this isn't something we discussed, but it's, it also reminds me, just as we're talking, just of, of Christians that were around right post to Jesus's resurrection. All they had were pictures. Oh. All they had were in memories. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So as far as the physical words that John hadn't written anything down yet, Matthew mm-hmm. didn't either. Mm-hmm. All they had were visual understandings, and then words came later. Or reminding each other what happened. Yeah. Reminding, and so like for Graham, every day it's for us. It's like we have we we need to give him a picture. We need yeah. to give him a visual understanding because it's it's the pictures married with the words that matter. Sure. And so like for him specifically, so yeah, so it's a consistent understanding right. that how we help him order his world mm. is be oriented around the right things and not things that just bring us right. Um, an hour on the porch and quiet. Right, right, right. <laughs> but things that bring us, bring him peace and and help him to know and love God forever. Right. He's mostly he's verbal to the verb to the degree he wants to be, um, and he's sensory seeking autistic. So he he wants input. So he'll hug you, he'll high five, he'll do a lot of things that are just that will demonstrate that he he cares for you, right? But that's not true of most autistic, you know, people with autism, mm-hmm. and so. What the other thing the article says is that it's it's very hard for most people with autism to display affection and compassion and empathy in the way that is typical. So whenever you're with an autistic uh, person with autism or you're in that situation, it can appear that they're just disempathetic or disinterested in their love mm. and affection. When essentially, if you're someone serving someone with autism you're not going to get a response back from like you would in a neurotypical situation that says, I love you. Thank you. So legitimately the love you're displaying may not be reciprocated. And not only having, not only does that develop empathy, but it also reframes your understanding about what God came to do for us. Sure. Absolutely. I'm oftentimes we are, (laughs) we are the same way. Yeah. I mean, almost probably more often than not, and so the ability for you to sit down with a child with autism and love that person well, right. knowing full well that if you as a person, your affirmation is, is yielded in, um, in typical of forms of affection, you're not going to get that. Right. But knowing that it makes a difference and the Lord is the one that plants that seed and doing it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, what Matthew, what are you doing to the least of these you're doing to me? That's right. Yes. So, like when you are able to love a child that is different and that can't show you that affection back. Yeah. You're, lo- you're loving him. But I'm telling you like, one thing for anybody that has, has been around or is considering or um, 
ministering to children with autism of any sort, I'm just here to tell you it matters every moment. Absolutely. It matters appearance for sure. I mean, and so no matter what you think you are getting or not getting from a child that you're serving, it's it's working itself out in spades with either their parents or other people. And even in your own heart, like it's, it's just get a true picture. It's a display of the gospel. That's right. Right. Just like it is in, in, in other situations, of course. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So what would you say, just to kind of wrap our discussion, how has, um, as a dad, knowing that each of our children, but especially Graham uh, with autism, is and was created by God, what does that do to your soul? What what has it done or what is it currently doing or just in general? All the above. All the above. Yeah. I mean, that's an unfolding revelation sure. for us both, but... um. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's uh, our, we already consider ourselves fairly flexible people, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say this in a positive and negative way. On the negative side of the thing, the one that the one that we've had to battle for so long is just the desire for isolation, mm-hmm. because essentially we can, if we create a hedge, and we could keep him in his environment, um, then we can be peaceful. Mm-hmm. We can at least we can at least not subject ourselves to any level of embarrassment or whatever it is that accompanies not burden other people too, and not burden other people yeah. like, uh, cause it's hard. It's not, I mean, there's nothing easy mm-hmm. about it, especially as he's learning and developing. Um, but as a dad, uh, who this one's, this one's yeah. And I don't want to make it sound disconnected, but knowing that as a dad wanting to protect mm-hmm. your child mm-hmm. is an impulse that we just, ha- I just have, mm-hmm. But Graham is a constant daily reminder that, you know, what the Lord says in Psalm 68, that he is the defender of the helpless. Mm. Mm. It's just not me. Mm. And it's, um, sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's real hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause in ways that I can, I can be helpful to my other children. I just don't know if it makes a difference to him. Yeah. 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 Oh, Croft. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This is probably number three of, of times you've ever seen me cry, but mm-hmm. it's that was hard. Yeah. But you shepherd him and us. Just like you said, his grace is sufficient. Yeah, um, with or without us. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's something that we, you know, said a while ago, but like we um we don't, when I mentioned like, we don't want to change him. We also are so grateful to the Lord because it's our sanctification. Yeah. And so in the times where you experience, um, cause we're going through emotionally, we're going through separate things. Yeah. Absolutely. Navigating this. Um, but together we're talking it out like this, cause I'm not struggling with not knowing my child. I think I, I think I know him best, but you are struggling with that. Yeah. That's uh, that's um, hard. Right. Cause what I, what the way I get the most, Ver- confirmation from my children is when they're verbal with me. Yeah. Like with Levi and Addie, I mean, you know me. Yeah. I could talk something to death. Uh-huh. Now that obviously brings you a much trepidation because uh-huh. <laughs> you process things differently. But for me, like I, the way we get to a solution together is usually in my mind, talking it through. Mm-hmm. And so with Graham, it's, I know what movies watching because they repeat it right. often. Right. But like, it, for so for me, that's my particular struggle. Right. And are those and those reminders like he like we read in Hebrews earlier, like 
but as it achieves an eternal weight of glory, we just don't understand. Right. Absolutely. So even those moments, and it's not that we have to, we have to flee moments of embarrassment or times where we feel completely disjointed. Those moments teach us things. Yeah. And we can't avoid them because they're going to happen. Right. And but when they happen, we, I think the quicker we get to weakness. Yeah. Instead of just trying to find a fleshly way to cope with it. Sure. So weakness and wisdom. I think when we're weak is a great time to ask for wisdom. And that was something that I've learned in the past year is it says it right there in James. When you lack wisdom, ask and God will give it generously. And and that's one thing I think is so needs to be on the forefront of our minds when we're parenting Graham and autism is that God is using this to call us as parents to himself in our times of weakness, because in our times of weakness, we know from scripture that he is strong so that he gets glory. And so that, that we become like his son, Jesus through the different trials and, um, and good times of autism. Uh, We, like we said before, we would not trade this. We would not, uh, we would not pick another life. We love him for who he is because he's so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, reveals to us the heart and the character of God all the time. So if you're listening today, just as a mom and dad, a caregiver, um, what we want you to know is we're right there mm. alongside of you. Um, but we have come through the grace of the Lord, through through his word and through the body of believers and through friends and mm-hmm. and whatnot and through each other. Um is to understand that God created our son with autism for a purpose for his glory. That's right. And um, that is, that is our anchor, I believe yeah. every single day. And, and like you said a moment ago, like uh, it does not compare mm. that this autism, this, the, the, the cancer diagnosis, the job loss, the whatever insert the blank, it does not compare with the eternal weight of glory that will one day happen. That's right. And that uh, we 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 try to systematically catechize our kids. <laughs> we yeah. teach them, but the question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, "What is the chief end of man?" Yeah. So one thing that we will round it out the same way we started it. That's an image of God conversation. We were created to know Him and love Him forever. That's right. And that that can cause all sorts of emotions in certain people, but the chief end of man is it's universal. We we were created in order to know Him and love Him forever. And if we're going to raise an autistic disciple, we that doesn't change. It just changes how we how we teach and how we talk to him. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Raising Autistic Disciples. We hope you enjoyed it and pray that you found it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with friends. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.